Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I am your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today we have two really great guests with us. We've got Air Force veteran Dennis Amoroso and his partner, Jim Shubaugh, and we are so excited to have you guys on the show today and uh, just learn a little bit about your background. You guys are building a company and entrepreneurs, so we want to tap into all that stuff and, and share with our audience you know, your story. So tell us a little bit about you guys. Dennis, I know you're, you're an Air Force vet, as am I, so hoorah, go Air Force. Um, what did you do in the Air Force? I taught fighter jet weapons systems tech school for six years. Nice. Where at? At Lowry Air Force Base, Denver, Colorado. Okay. Nice, nice. Which, as I understand it, that Air Force Base no longer exists. Yeah, there's been. I turned it into condos or something. <laughs> how, long, how long were you in the Air Force for? I was in for just a little less than six years. That was during the Carter administration, so they were letting people out early. And I had an opportunity to go into the construction business, so I took the opportunity and got out just a little early. Nice. Nice. So, um, so you got out of the air force and then you got into construction. So what were you doing in construction and how'd you get to where you guys are at today? The construction wasn't, didn't work out very well because it was my former father-in-law. So oh. <laughs> take, a, take a thought on that. Anyway, um, I became an auto mechanic and as an auto mechanic, uh, I had, understood that um the the military air force aeronautical engineers and so on and so forth and mechanics uh need tool organizers just like auto mechanics do and and um uh so during the period of time that i was an auto mechanic i invented and patented a tool organizer which I'm not trying to advertise anything, but I just want to show you what we, what Jim and I did together. This is a, this is a wrench holder and this is a, a socket holder. Oh, cool. We sold these, we sold these through NASA and U.S. Air Force and, and so on and so forth. And, and while we were working with this, we realized that it was going to take several million dollars to really market it properly and get it into the market in a, proper fashion and we've stumbled across the concept of getting gold from the mine waste that is the result of 150 years of 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 gold mining in the state of california so we started doing the research on that and come to find out there's two billion tons of mine waste on the surface of the state of california and so we started having meetings with the U.S., the California Department of Conservation, Abandoned Mine Lands Unit, and so on. And they said, yeah, that's great. We would love to be for you to get the, the mine waste off the surface. But what are you going to do with the leftovers? Because once you pick up the mine waste, you own it. <laughs> and so we said, well, we don't know what we're going to do with the leftovers. So we started studying the leftovers. And we went to the tile industry and the asphalt industry and all different kinds of industries. And nobody wanted powdered rock. 
And during our research, we did some lab testing and come to find out this powdered rock is full of phosphorus and potassium and calcium and iron and zinc and all the things that plants need to grow. There you go. So we started at we started looking at what other people have done, and lo and behold, Australia has been using powdered rock in their agricultural industry for fifty years, and uh, Mexico uses it, and Brazil uses it, and several other countries with very good, outstanding results, and it replaces chemical fertilizers completely. So that's how we ended up in the 100% natural fertilizer business. Wow. And were you guys actually able to extract some gold and stuff to, to put into the other business? That's part of our business is kind of secret. <laughs> <laughs> is that still ongoing or, or are you guys move, have you moved past that business or where does that stand today? What do you mean? Fertilizer business? Yeah. The fertilizer and the gold and the gold business. Oh yeah. We're doing it. Are you? And, and, and we're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah. Come to find out, state of California wants to get rid of all chemical fertilizers in agriculture. So we're talking about 27 million acres of agriculture that needs two tons of our 100% natural fertilizer per acre per year. So that's 54 million tons for the state of California alone every year. So to be able to deliver that kind of tonnage, we needed to uh, we needed to establish uh, ownership and control of our feedstock. Because if you're going to go into a commodities business and you want to guarantee that you're going to be a success, you must control your feedstock. So we went out and got control of about what is it, about 100 million tons of rock powder from quarries here in the state. Okay. Then we were con contacted by a group in Canada that has 1.8 billion tons of mine waste that they would like to turn into fertilizer. So we went out and got a patent on the use of mine waste and quarry waste for fertilizer. And now we are the commercial industrial partner for Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratories in the business of getting this 100% natural fertilizer into California agriculture. Wow, that's really impressive. So this has become a really big deal. Um, I mean, obviously, when you guys started this, you didn't expect it to be where it is today, right? And that's, you know, evolved over time. Um, but, but when you guys first, our, our expectations were quite high when we started, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, walk us through kind of what you were going through when you just very first kind of got started and realized, okay, we can try the mine waste and try and get some gold out of it. Like, um, I mean, did you guys have a lot of, you know, did you have a company and stuff built already to do that? Were you just kind of shooting from the hip to get it going or kind of walk us through how you got started that? We're involved with a gentleman who understood that gold was in the mine waste. Okay. And he turned out to be less than ethical. So we then formed a corporation, a C Corp in the state of Nevada. And we started acquiring 
intellectual property in the business of of getting gold out of mine waste. Okay. And in that during that process, met with Dr. Leonard Nannis, who is a chemical engineer of world class chemical engineer. He is the chemical engineer that made it possible for um, Seagate computers to become Seagate computer. Oh, wow. And he developed a chemical process for us that was 100% natural and environmentally sound that we used to get the gold out of the mine waste so that the mine waste has not been chemically damaged and it can be turned into 100% natural fertilizer because it has to be crushed down to a fine powder to get the gold out of it. So we started with small five gallon buckets. We started with quart jars, literally. Then wow. we went to five gallon buckets. Then we went to 150 gallon tanks. And, um, and, and that's, that's where we're at when it comes to getting the gold. But for the fertilizer side, we started out in uh, big plastic watering troughs, mixing okay. and blending this rock powder. And we also blend it in with food waste that is comes from grocery stores. And at this point, we are working with Dole Foods, who has 19 million pounds of food waste per year that they need to get rid of, and they will pay us to take it. No kidding. So that's that's the it that's where it has evolved from, and that's the size that we're working at right now. So we started out, like I say, with quart jars and five-gallon buckets and shovels and breathing dirt and dust and going out to the desert and traveling out to piles and piles of mine waste and finding it and working with agencies, California Department of Conservation, Abandoned Mine Lands Unit, reading all of their data. They have a 225-page report that they put out on mine waste and the disposition of mine waste in the state of California. And then we started doing research on how much mine waste there is in the United States. Turns out there's about 800 billion tons of mine waste in the United States. Wow, that's crazy. And it needs to be cleaned up. So in the process of this, we started working with uh, environmentalists who are trying to get rid of chemical fertilizers out of the ocean, out of Monterey Bay, out of the Gulf of Mexico. And now we are involved with a group that wants to help us completely replace chemical fertilizers in the U.S. because it would restore our oceans and stop killing the marine life. And it's just, it has evolved con continuously over the past several months. So now are you guys gathering mine waste still from only the state of California? Or are you now getting it from other states as well? We designed a business model to where we can implement production in any area that has agriculture. Okay. Because no matter where you go in the, in the U S or Canada, there's mine waste available. There's a lot of it available everywhere. So we started focusing in on agricultural regions and we now have six different 
uh, sites that we have done the planning on, located the mine waste. For instance, in Nevada, there's a pile of 3.360 million tons of mine waste. And it wow. is literally, what, 20 miles from agriculture? Yeah. It's literally 20 miles from the agricultural region. So makes that, sense. Yeah. That's the logic too. So we, we, we process it right there, ship it 20 miles, deliver it to the farmers. Uh, in New Mexico, it's about the same kind of situation. So Arizona, we just opened up uh, inquiries and research in Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, working with Vulcan Materials. They have quarries all over the U.S. There's, they literally have 50 quarries in Tennessee. Oh, my gosh. We're working with coal mine waste uh, that is as old as coal mining is in, in America. Coal mine waste happens to be full of potassium and calcium and iron, really, really good nutrients, no toxic metals, no toxic substances. And like I said, the, in Canada, British Columbia, we're just now finalizing the business plan and business model for working with one of their First Nations, which is basically native Canadian, Canadian Indians. And like I said, they have 1.8 billion tons of mine waste available that is about 50 miles from a huge agricultural region. So that's the, that's the business model. That's the framework. Nice. Now, are you guys like the only game in town that does this or are there, do you have competitors in, in your space? As far as we know, and I, I say that because somebody's going to pop up with something. <laughs> After but they hear this podcast, right? We, <laughs> we are the only company that can deliver this kind of product in millions of tons within a matter of 12 months from the, 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 the day of that we, that we start construction on a production facility. Wow. We have... The South North Dakota Farmers Union farms 2.2 million acres. They would like to have a dedicated fertilizer production facility to supply them. A group in Montana is the same way. And we just connected with a gentleman in India yesterday. No kidding. That would like to have us come over there. We are incorporated in the country of Zambia, Africa. They have about 800 million tons of copper mine waste uh, that they would like to have turned into fertilizer for their agricultural industry in their country. So, I mean, the scale of this has really just grown exponentially. How, how, big, how big of an operation do you guys have? I mean, do you have a, a lot of employees or how do you guys, how do you guys manage you know, the, the boots on the ground, so to speak? Well, to date, we do not have a large number of employees yet. We're moving into our first big commercial production facility, uh, 65,000 square feet on 25 acres. Um, and that would 
employ about 20 people per shift, something like that. That would employ about 60 people. And um, we, we contract with the trucking, the trucking uh, companies that are local and they bring in our material at a rate of about 100 tons an hour. And then they will be picking up the blended, completed fertilizer and delivering it to the, to the farms at about the same rate. Wow. So, it just, so it's, it's logistics and material handling. So is it just you two handling all that stuff? No. <laughs> uh, that, that's a lot. There's a lot going on. We're the strategists. We're the, we're the planners. We're the, um, the motivators and so on and so forth. We have very skilled people that are working with us, process engineers, uh, chemical engineers, physicists, things like that. Bunch yeah. of super and smart people. About, <laughs> and they are all excited as hell and blown away by what we have put together and, and the scope of this thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is kind of mind-blowing when you, when you think about it because when you're taking all this waste that's just sitting there, you know, not doing anything. And, um, and really putting it to a good practical use. Um, and then, and really like the demand for it seems like it's quite high. We had to break through the barrier of chemical fertilizer. And what people are having a hard time with is, is that they can grow plants without chemicals because they've been brainwashed literally programmed to believe that you can't grow a plant without chemicals. And our statement to them is, how do you think the forests grow? Right. How do you think the jungles grow? There's nobody down there putting chemicals on that stuff. And what we do is we just duplicate mother nature. So we are replenishing the farmland. But now Lawrence Livermore National Labs has presented a document to the state of California saying that chemical fertilizers are not the future. And you better get them out of the farmland as fast as you possibly can. And literally we are the only answer. We are the only product that they can replace it with. Wow. Because we can deliver it the tonnage that is needed. So you guys, do you guys feel any kind of uh resistance or is there any kind of battle going on from like the chemical fertilizer industry that you feel kind of towards you guys as far as i mean obviously there was kind of a, a breakthrough point but is there kind of an, an ongoing uh little battle going on there what do you think not yet not yet <laughs> i mean clearly clearly you're a competitor for them right so when, when you have when you have a, an organization, a group like Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratories telling everybody chemical fertilizers are not doing it. When you have the, the US Department of Agriculture saying rock powder is the only answer to agriculture in, in the world. And when you use rock powder, you reduce greenhouse gases by 100% on farmland and when you have things going on like 
the Gulf of Mexico no longer supports life because of chemical fertilizers. And now the Pacific coast of California is starting to, to experience exactly the same thing. When that is happening because of chemical fertilizers, nobody's worried about us. Yeah. They're running for cover. They're all trying to hide and, and, and not get sued out of existence by government agencies and uh, environmental groups. And it's, believe me, we have an army behind us wanting this to, to happen. So we're truly not concerned about the chemical fertilizer industry. You think any of those chemical players try and make a shift into doing what you guys are doing? If they do, they're going to have to pay us because <laughs> we got the patent. Nice. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, and, and they would also have to make the deal with companies like Vulcan Materials and SGI, which we now own the rights to all of their waste, which is, you know, like 30 billion tons. So we, we kind of set up our. I learned my strategy in the military, literally, teaching tech school. Yeah. Yeah, walk us, walk us through that a little bit. Part of what they had us do was read the leadership, the history of the leadership of World War II when Eisenhower put a million men on a beach. And the preparations that, were, that went into, in, in, into action to, to prepare for that day. And, and the planning and setting up the logistics and the supply and so on and so forth. And that particular kind of training and knowledge is what you use when you're gonna set up a company that is going to supply a product in a big way, in a, at a huge scale. So we knew from the beginning that when this thing hit, we were going to have to be able to deliver. Otherwise, we're out of business. Because right. if you can't deliver the first time, you just burnt your market. So we focused on being able to deliver before we started trying to get out and make sales and get all the hype and all the excitement, everything. And then we can't deliver. So we focused on being able to deliver using these practices the uh, that the military has taught business literally yeah and it works it works really well <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think that's a really cool takeaway and i think you know for our audience and stuff too is you know i think sometimes while you're serving it's just so focused and one tracked and just doing the job but there's there's some really important lessons that you can pull out of that service right like what you're mentioning right there that directly correlates to building a successful business. Um, so Absolutely. I, Absolutely. yeah. And I think it's the discipline, the discipline alone. You, you get a squad of soldiers and how much of these guys getting paid $23 a day. And they say, we're going to go take that machine gun nest up there on that Hill. Well, they're not doing it for the money. Right doing it because they believe in it they're doing it for the passion they're doing it because they've committed to doing it and all of this comes into play in being a successful business person you set a goal you decide you're going to get there come hell or high water 
and you stop focusing on the money. Absolutely. Yeah. You focus. On, I, I, and I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head. You know, I, I talk to people, you know, in conversations like this all the time and it's like, you know, focus on the goal, serve the people, the money will come. But if the focus is on the money, people will see right through that and they will see that that's where the focus is. And you will lose, you will lose hold of the true purpose, which is obtaining the goal and serving the people. Absolutely. Because when, 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 when we grow and we've been growing our food and our garden, we're using this product for 15 years. When we grow food using this product, it is called nutrient dense. It has a hundred percent of all the nutrients necessary to keep a human being healthy and robust and strong and grow strong bones and strong tissue and, and, and keep you alert and alive and well. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture came out with a study that said we've lost 80% of our nutrients in our food over the past 50 years. Wow. That's horrible. Yeah. And we're going to reverse that. Therefore, healthy people are going to start coming from this. Right. It'd be an interesting study to see, obviously, way into the future of how introducing more nutrient-rich foods helps to curtail maybe some diseases or cancers or things of that nature, right? Which, you know, being kind of a health nut and, and just learning about nutrition and things of that nature, you know, a lot of illnesses and, and diseases and things can be prevented and or corrected through diet, right? So, I mean, just imagine, Absolutely. just imagine if, if they were more nutrient rich compared to what we're getting today, which is 50 times less rich in nutrients, right? Just imagine the health of the babies. Right. Where their mother is eating nutrient rich food. Yeah, absolutely. That is so cool. I mean, I think what you guys are doing is incredible and um, totally mind opening. Um, if people wanted to just kind of read about you and learn about you, how would they, can they find you online anywhere and, and learn about you guys? Our website is plantnutritiontech.com. Plantnutritiontech.com. Well, uh, Dennis and Jim, I, I uh, thank you so much for you know, spending some time with us today on the Armed and Ready podcast and, um, and sharing. This is incredible what you guys are doing. I, I, really, I really love it. We'd love to chat with you guys again in the future and just see how all this is, is taking place and you know, the new benchmarks that you're setting in this industry because I think it's amazing. Well, we certainly appreciate you having us on and we look forward to interacting with anybody who would like to get in touch with us. We're happy to help Anybody who wants to grow their own garden or anything, we sell our product in five pound bags and uh, we sell it by the ton. So uh, we're in the business of helping America become healthy. That's what we're in the business of doing. I love it. I love it. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today. All the best to you. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoanguy.us.